In the Fuzzy Memories podcast, we celebrate the good, the rad, and the fugly of the 80s and 90s. We're three latchkey kids who made it out alive. And in each episode, we break down all the culture that popped one year at a time. Whether it's the birth of legends. I'm Lyme disease free today and I have Whitney Houston and MTV to thank. (laughs) Or audacious moves. Imagine also the the poor Golden Gate Bridge. You turn 75 and people have a party on you. I don't want that. Or even confusing PSAs. In the stop, drop, and roll. I mean, we would, I assume as an adult, I would catch on fire weekly. All the time! (laughs) We've got a take that will make you laugh. We've also got thoughts on all sorts of random phenomena and the most unmitigated of golf. Why sharks can't be trusted, people can't be trusted, and rivers can't be trusted. (laughs) It's collusion. It's of the highest degree! Uh Uh-huh. You were counseling me to start my remarks with, first of all, bitch. <laughs> that one, everyone in that room would have snapped to attention. It's going to be basically coffee lids, shark revenge, and then maybe like Matt gets. <laughs> we need to do something about him. Join us every other Wednesday to celebrate the hits, the misses, and the misfits of the weirdest decades. If I could tell my 14-year-old self from 1990 that I would be eating in a cheesecake factory in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills, I'd be like, we did it. We, we did it, Joe. We did it. <laughs> Listen and subscribe to Fuzzy Memories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. Hello and welcome to Broads and Books. I'm Erin. And I'm Amy. And this is episode number 73, The Sign. As in Ace of Base, <laughs> The Sign. As in I saw the sign. Do you think there's some people out there listening who are so young they've never heard of Ace of Base? I mean, I don't think that's our main demographic. No, but I think, I you're think right. that, yeah. that there's an affair. And if that's the case, yeah. please pause. P- pause. This is a perfectly acceptable time to yes. wait on us. Yes. Watch the video to which we will link Yes, so you can understand why Aaron wanted to choose this song. Yeah. And how glorious it was yes. when we were adolescents. It was. It was great. Yeah. It opened up my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so I picked it, though, because this week we're going to talk about maybe signs mm-hmm. that characters chose to ignore, or yeah. maybe they heeded them. Yeah. Red flags. We don't know. Just yeah. signs. I liked this idea. It's a very sort of specific yeah. thing but but you see it a lot and you it do. becomes a, a plot point or something to talk about mm-hmm. so here we are talking yeah, about the signs here we are. signs and i saw the sign and it opened up my eyes i saw the sign <laughs> <laughs> well aaron mm-hmm. thinking about signs mm-hmm. thinking about you know red flags how do you feel about red flags in relationships and how many would you say it takes for you to bail all right. Well, I think that there's two answers to this, okay. like young Aaron and older Aaron. Ah, okay. yes, for so sure. So I think that younger Aaron had no red flags. Like, oh, yeah. Everything's just like, you got to learn. Good. Right? Yeah. yeah. I'm just blowing through red lights. Right. Boom, boom, like mm-hmm. speed demon. Now I'm a lot more cautious. So I think that now what I would need is like a tiered system, mm. like red flag, mm-hmm. yellow, proceed yeah, with yeah, caution, yeah. green, 
this seems like a good thing. I'm going to go, but mm-hmm. I'm going to be aware that there's still danger ahead, <laughs> that this could turn at any moment. So you are using the road stop signs mm-hmm. as a tiered system for yes. red flags. Okay. Yes. Okay. So for example, a green flag might be, I told you that I didn't really want to do anything for my birthday, mm. but you planned something. On its surface, it's not really, there's nothing really bad about that. Mm. I'm going to go with it, mm-hmm. but I'm going to know that like I need to be a little more direct so that you fully take, understand yeah. that you weren't messing around. Yeah, Right, yes. Yellow mm-hmm. would be like you, and I'm trying to think of a yellow besides a red, but mm-hmm. a yellow might be, you know, you didn't answer my phone phone call for like a day and a half sure and i sure. wasn't in a pure panic because maybe i knew you were busy at work but like you, you could, knew they weren't dead yeah like, okay like yeah. you could just let me know and yes. then that's just something we have to work out based on communication sure. styles a red flag mm-hmm. would be like you did ghost me for a week i did think you were dead then you showed back up and would be like hey i've had these plans for a long time chill <laughs> that's a red flag for sure another red flag would be like I walk into your house and it's just full of taxidermy. Oh, mm-hmm. I is there a higher than a red flag? Like a like an that's extra like red? That's an instant bail. That's yeah. like a boom. Like a magenta, like yeah. a real dark, that's dark like red. The signs in Hawaii that they put oh. next to everything that say you may die. And that is the only <laughs> sign. Like that's a blowhole and it's interesting, but you may die. And that's, yeah. that's they figure that's enough of a warning. Oh, my goodness. And I think that that's fair. I would see a house full of taxidermy as practice for that right? person How doing it on not? you. Yes. How could you not? Yeah. Another red flag might be, like, I come to your house and everything's covered in those, like, quilted things that you put on toasters. <laughs> that might be another red flag. That Little I'm, doily type things yeah. that you put on? Yeah, sure. On everything. Oh, no. That's real bad. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Then I have questions. Oh, so many. Mm-hmm. But some of them I don't even want to ask, ask or get answered. I just want to leave. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I like this tiered system. Mm-hmm. This makes a lot of sense. Because I think right now it's either red flag or go, go green. Yeah. There's a middle ground there. There's a middle ground. And some things that could be red flags with some people might not be with someone else. Ooh, for or, sure. Yeah. You know, Everyone has their out. own internal system yes. of flags. Yes. Yeah. And like certain people throw up more red flags for me than other people like I might accept this behavior out of this person because mm-hmm. I would think okay something's going on mm-hmm. whereas this person no benefit of the doubt you're mm-hmm. terrible red flag I'm out so if you came into my house one weekend and mm-hmm. discovered a bunch of taxidermied animals that weren't there the previous week mm-hmm. would that be a red flag for you uh, yeah, it'd be a red flag about your mental health, <laughs> not about our relationship. Like, I'm ride or die, but you and I are having a conversation, okay? We're not recording that day. No, no, we're, we're not. We're going to sit down. We're going to work it out. We're going to figure out what's going on yeah, in your Yeah, we're going to suss out. So if I go over to your house and suddenly find things covering your furniture that look like those toilet covers and or toaster covers, yeah. we're going to have that conversation, yes. too. Yes, yes. sit and you down. should. Yes, be like, like Aaron, what happened here? What is... And in my case with you, I'm going to have a lot of follow-up questions mm. that have nothing to do with your mental health, such okay. as where did you get these? Because I know you didn't do this. So where did they come from? Well, do you remember me telling you that when I was teaching for a while, one of my students wrote a how-to essay about taxidermy? So that would be my answer. It'd be like, I finally followed the how-to essay from my student okay. on how to do it. Okay. Duh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, my... Yep. Yep. 
and I still wouldn't believe that. My no, gut, you still wouldn't my believe gut that. would tell yeah. me that's yeah. not that's fault. That's a lie. It might be time yeah. to listen to your gut on yeah. that one. Yeah. Well, speaking of, do you believe in gut instinct? I do to some extent. Like I think uh, many times my gut will tell me to bail, and it has a good reason for telling me to bail. <laughs> I think sometimes, though, my gut is lazy and my gut just wants oh. me on the couch mm. watching like, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer with a big bag of Reese's Pieces. Like mm-hmm. it wants me to just be in a safe, happy place. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it will tell me it will it will tell me to bail even when it might be a good situation. Right. Over here. OK. You know, it's just saying like, nope, nope, can't do it. Yeah. And so there's ha- there has to be times when I sort of suss out what my gut's telling me. OK. They like, listen. You know, what's going on? Is this really something to, uh, you know, get afraid of? Or do you just want me to be home? Yeah. Are you just craving maybe. Reese's Pieces? I might Could we maybe just Reese's bring pieces. Reese's Pieces here where we are? <laughs> That's a good point. Maybe next time when my gut tells me to bail, first eat some Reese's Pieces. Make sure I'm not just hungry. <laughs> and then be like, do I still want to bail? Nah, no, I'm good. Okay. I'm good. Yeah. And then if you do, then yeah. Hey, I tried. I have a system. I tried. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I tried. That's all I can say. I tried. So really, my gut system is based on Reese's Pieces and the presence or not presence. Fail-proof, in my opinion. Yeah. Oof, I like that. It, what are Reese's Pieces for if not to guide your life decisions? <laughs> Again, we're still trying to get that sweet, sweet Reese's Pieces sponsorship money. I mean... We're working at we it. We are working at it. We haven't seen it. If dying. I integrate it into my decision-making process on a daily basis... I need How can they say no? Yeah. How can they say no? Right. These are writing themselves. It's like no work on your part except writing the check. Exactly. We're headed into a really high candy season with Halloween. (laughs) I know you're flush with cash. (laughs) Send it our way. (laughs) Erin, so you described your red flag to Mm -hmm. your system. Mm -hmm. What are some red flags that you have previously ignored? There was one that came to mind in particular (laughs) that had to do with someone I dated a long time ago. Mm. I won't even give the time period because I would give it away. But Mm -hmm. um, two things, two red flags that I didn't heed at the time. And Mm -hmm. then later I was like, oh, that's that Mm -hmm. was really something. One was that whenever he was uh, at my parents' house, he would sit on their pillows. What? Yeah. You know, like decorative pillows you have on the couch yeah he, he would like sit on them oh no, those aren't for sitting yeah and it was like it's such a weird thing to do and at a parent's house yeah and huh. while that may seem small i don't think it makes him like an axe murderer i mean it could have but i also do think that it's sort of a sign of like i'm not aware of other people or yes. i really don't maybe have a level of respect that i should yeah, for certain yeah for things. someone's belongings yeah for someone's decorative pillows yeah. that might cost a lot and or it could be simply that his family doesn't understand pillows and that's its own red flag that <laughs> your upbringing has not brought in pillow decorum and that's just it's why bad. why why <laughs> the same person also told me in a conversation oh no that I was, <laughs> we broke up so close after this, <laughs> that I was his Rene Russo, referring to Tin Cup. Oh, oh. And I was like, I don't, first of all, that's a very, very weird reference. Second of all, why do I want, how is that a compliment? You're his Rene Russo. Which... I don't remember Tin Cup. It was a sports movie, right? Yeah, like a golf I think movie. it's Kevin okay. Costner is okay. the golfer. And I think she's like the inspiration behind him winning something. And Ew. I'm like, first of all, 
Yeah, I don't. There's never going to be. You're not a muse. You are not just a there to inspire some no. dude. Mm-mm. I'm not a background. No. First of all. Second of all, that's giving yourself a lot of credit. Sure is. A lot of credit. Wasn't aware of you are going into some kind of big tour situation. <laughs> didn't let. And that's a red flag. If you got onto the PGA and you never told me. Yeah, that's that's real weird. Yeah. Why didn't you tell is me? Is he on the PGA no. these days? Okay. No. <laughs> no. And I remember thinking that's. I think you meant that as a compliment, but it's real weird. Yeah. That's just a lack of understanding. And then, yeah. So I think it's very true that everyone's red flags are very different. Like mm-hmm. for me, I think we've talked about before someone comes on too hard, too fast, mm-hmm. you know, right away. That is a huge red flag for me. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone else might be like, Oh, that's wonderful. It's like love at first sight. And I'm like, Oh dear God, no. Right. He's mm-hmm. going to kill me. Yeah. Or I'm just going to feel real suffocated. I do feel like, history science psychology is on your side in that one mm. we're taught as women to think that that's great yeah. the prince charming and we talked about that a lot yes, in have. the when we talked about she said mm-hmm. and nobody's victim that you're taught to believe that that seems great mm-hmm. but in reality it's that's not. weird behavior it is I real mean, weird for example snow white i don't want the guy that is kissing a corpse i sure don't I don't. Because he likes me best when I'm not saying anything. And yes. that's a very rare instance. Yes. And or when I'm dead. Yeah. Because he doesn't seem to have any qualms. Nope. He is somehow sexually attracted to the woman under the glass who looks dead. Dead. And he's going to make out with her. Dead. Yeah. Dead. <laughs> and he also seems to have no red flag that her some part of her family is an evil woman no you should be running that's yeah. that's going to be hard to deal that's going to be real hard to deal with. and i don't think that that thing has been all the way axed so no. i'm just saying this is a good mm-hmm. reference to bring up mm-hmm. a very real world situation and reference yeah, yeah. uh-huh so, ladies, if you're out there and you're sleeping and some dude tries to make out with you, that's a red flag. Yes. That's not a yellow flag. No. That's a red one. That's an immediate eject. Yep. That is weird behavior. <laughs> weird behavior. Also, if some guy shows up at your house with your shoe. Oh, no. First don't, of all, nope. you don't need to be that drunk in public. No, you don't. Second of all, that's just not safe. It's not safe. But now you're blaming the victim. Don't blame the victim. No, I'm not. Okay. They're, they're not a victim okay. at this point. I'm all just right, saying gotcha. you don't want the guy that brings your shoe back. That's true. You don't. That was a mm-hmm. lot of legwork on his that part. was. Going around trying that shoe on every girl. That's gross. That's obsessive. It is. That's No, mm-hmm. we don't want that. We're going to m- maybe get some shoes that tie. The yeah. next time we're going to tie one on. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure you don't drop them. Yeah. Maybe yeah. cowboy boots. I heard those stay on oh, really God. well. <laughs> <laughs> like red spangly cowboy boots, sure. maybe? All right. Sure. Whatever yeah. you want. Oh, just don't leave it behind. Boots. Yeah. Just don't do it. Because no. creeps will take that as calling cards. <laughs> creeps really will. Not So right. many creeps. Um, do you think, kind of like Cinderella, Snow White, do yeah. you, would you like to know everything that was going to happen to you before it happened? Like if you had that ability, if you could be a psychic for your own life, would you want that? I wouldn't. And I think because I think you and I especially find so much joy in the surprising absurdities <laughs> yes. of life. Like if point. I had known before you went to that lip sense party, what was going to happen and yeah. warned you away from it, we wouldn't have that story that we can share That's on a regular basis. That's true. And we wouldn't have known like last week in our episode with Heath that he was going to say he could talk about tennis shoes. And our sandwiches. And our sandwiches. Yeah, and we right. laughed with delight. We did. That you that is a good point that I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. You would miss out on all the great surprising moments. And yeah. I think honestly, like 
comedy comes from surprises. So being yes. able to laugh, being able to enjoy yourself, it comes from surprises. Sure, there's some shitty surprises, but you know. Yeah, we've all been there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, this year has been a shitty surprise. Just one after the other. <laughs> but you know, mm-hmm. you got to you gotta take the good with the bad and the bad with the... I, I was calling the facts of life, but then I forgot the lurks. That's right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, good, I lost the it. Bad. Da, 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 it's facts of life. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, okay. Sorry, I can't anyway, help you out there. Weird, wait, wait, wait. As soon tangent. as you said facts yeah. of life, it went out, and I was like, I can't catch it. I don't know. I don't know. So that's where I'm at. But mm-hmm. you know, thinking about like psychics, mm-hmm. do you think you'd be a good psychic? Oh, I want to say I would be because mm. it sounds amazing. It does, doesn't it? It sounds great. Yeah, but I also am. I. It's also the reason despite also not having any acting talent that I feel like I couldn't be on SNL because mm. I would just break all the time. Yeah. Because when things are funny, I can't not laugh. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can get the church giggles like nobody's business. <laughs> so I don't think that I'd be great at it. Although I do think I'd be good at the like being vague part, like mm. vague enough to make someone oh, buy yeah. into it. Like yeah. horoscope vague. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would probably get a lot of personal delight out of, certain things you know oh like boy. oh god i see your death mm. yeah it involves a buoy i was gonna say it's mm. real embarrassing you're yeah. not gonna like it <laughs> yeah. i'm not even gonna tell you i'm gonna spare you the humiliation of your death before i'm not gonna tell you that you poop your pants when you die <laughs> that's no one needs to know that no one needs to know that no. what about you would you be a good second well i or don't do you want to be a second <laughs> What I want, I have a reality show premise. I have an idea where we go on and we're fake psychics and we tell fake stuff, fake predictions, and then we follow the people out into the world to see if they act weird or they try and make those predictions come true. Oh, my God. That's a great premise. Mm -hmm. That's actually phenomenal. Yeah. Like, I think, you know... People could do some weird stuff. Like, I think, you know, people go to psychics for a reason. They want some kind of guidance. Mm -hmm. But I imagine there's many times where even vague stuff, people are like, oh, you know, if it fits into what they're seeing, like confirmation bias kind of stuff, then it could change their life in a way. Like if we said, there is a hoagie shop that you're (laughs) going to be in at some point in your life and you are going to find $1,000 on the floor. Yeah. She's going to go to every hoagie shop in the neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. Just buying hoagies and getting no money. And searching those gross, grimy floors for money. See? This is reality show TV it right is. here. It's really great. I mean, I established last week I don't re- watch reality shows much, but I could create this one. one. We could create one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we found the perfect role for you, which is producer of a reality show. If yes. you were in charge of it, mm-hmm. I think you would get a lot of joy out of it. Yeah. A little, you know, like puppet master kind yes. of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. As I enjoyed that game last week when I got to be in control. Yes. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. That was a great game, though. It was super fun. And listening to you guys pretty much on par. Like your, you know, expertise was on the level. Yeah. I don't know if that's like if I should brag about that or not. You but should. Yeah. Yeah. I was also very impressed because he knew some stuff I did not know mm. that I could not place. And this week I realized to a couple, like after the fact, I realized a housewife that I was trying to come up with the name oh. or whatever. And then I was like, oh, that's who that was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we may have to have a rematch at some point. Right. For something. Yeah. Of course. Well, this week's picks. Yes. About red or red signs is what I was going to say. That's not it. Red flags, signs, signs. you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Red signs. Red signs. I like it. We'll just call it red (laughs) signs from now on. My fiction pick is called Starling Days by Rowan 
Hisayo Buchanan. And hot off the presses, 2020, this summer. And the book starts with Mina, who is walking over the George Washington Bridge in New York. And a patrol car drives up. And she tries to convince the officers that she's not about to jump. But they don't believe her. So her husband, Oscar, is called to pick her up. And we think at first, like, yep, this is a weird misunderstanding. Like, what's going on? But then we learn that just about six months ago, she swallowed a ton of pills on her wedding night with Oscar. And she has scars up and down her arms covered by tattoos. And her mom died by slipping in the bath or maybe not slipping a long time ago. Oh. So there's a lot of stuff in the background here. right? So Oscar... We hear from Mina, and then we hear from Oscar as well. Um, Oscar works for his dad's company and has an opportunity to leave New York for a bit to work, but also help Mina heal. So he's like, perfect. Let's go to London for a while. Let's take care of this apartment that's owned by my dad. This is the perfect opportunity to just figure this shit out. Right. Okay. Um, And by the way, he's not close to his dad. He's the product of a one-night stand that his dad had in London, and he's never really felt fully accepted by his dad or his wife. And so there's a real strange dynamic there and just a feeling of like constantly having to prove himself. That becomes a big thing, too. So they go to London. They try to live and slowly dissect like what's happening with Mina, what's going on in her head. But then Oscar, potentially because he's still trying to make dad happy, but also maybe because he's getting freaked out by Mina, a little pissed, too. He answers his dad's call to go home for a bit, leaving Mina alone in London. Oh, Mina is trying to work on her research. She's a grad student, and she writes about women in mythology who survived. And there's not that many women that survived some of the mythological tales. Yeah. So she is struggling hard, but then she meets a woman and falls for the woman. Oh. Things just get keep getting real sticky, real tough, real weird. And I chose it for this theme because I think... So Mina and Oscar have been together for 10 years before they get married. Mm -hmm. Then they get married. There's all sorts of signs over those 10 years that Mina is struggling. But neither of them really explore it. Neither of them really, you know, like dig into like, could this affect us? Could this affect her kind of thing? And the biggest sign, the wedding night overdose, is sort of just tucked away. Like they don't really talk about it. Mm. They don't try and figure out like, what the hell? Like Mm -hmm. on your wedding night. Your wedding night, Yeah. yeah. I think beyond that, though, I loved this for the way that it writes about depression. Mm. I I personally have struggled with depression for many years. And what I particularly liked was the idea that Mina continually knows, like, she has a good life. She has things pretty decent. She's, she's not struggling economically. She's not struggling in other ways. So she should be happy. Mm. She should be fine. Yeah, the old should be. Yes, mm-hmm. but those shoulds almost make it worse because then she's just, you know, lay, laying on herself again, like, why aren't you happy? Why aren't you fine? This is pathetic kind mm-hmm. of thing. And it makes her desperate. It makes her more likely to act out, which Mm -hmm. she definitely does just to feel something, to like prove maybe that you're miserable, to prove that you're not okay, you're not fine. Mm -hmm. So I I, I like too that there's the idea with like depression that there's signs, signs that you can point to that show like if we could just point to one thing to explain depression, especially for women, Mm -hmm. I think. Um, then it would just make sense. But depression doesn't make sense. It sure doesn't in this book. There's all sorts of signs, but even heeding the signs, don't know if things would have gone another way, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. So I I really like this book for the way it deals with that kind of idea of signs and how they may or may not be, you know, helpful, really, Mm -hmm. in the long Mm -hmm. run. It's really well written. It's it's kind of a quiet book in a lot of ways. Um, The... (laughs) 
the relationship that takes off with this woman is so complex and so interesting. Uh, it's a really, really phenomenal read. Mm. And I recommend it. I like that description. It's a quiet book. It is. I like that. It sounds wonderful. Yes. And that's awesome that it just came out. So yes. get in on it. Mm-hmm. Well, I um, this week I picked A Small Indiscretion mm. by Jan Ellison. This came out in 2016. Um, and the main character Annie Black is when we very first meet her or hear about her she's fresh out of high school and basically devoid of opportunities kind of because of her family situation so she leaves California and goes to live in London for a period of time fast forward 20 years later she's back and we meet Annie in her current life and she's happily married mother of three she's got this amazing career Um, she's a lighting designer like lighting fixtures and she's very sought after like wow. people really like her work she feels very fulfilled by it um seemingly out of nowhere a photo ends up in her mailbox and it takes her back to that time in london and while the reader isn't exactly privy to what is going on in this photo we know that she is very disturbed by it and upset and it Ooh. starts her on this path of being pulled between two versions of herself like this other part that she kind of put away after this time period and who she is now and as she's doing that her family starts to unravel and you could take that because either her eyes off the ball or because that's just what was going to happen and her son is in a terrible car accident so everything is sort of compounding on itself and in the middle of it is this mystery of what's going on with this photo what's going on with her why isn't she being upfront about this so what it comes down to without giving it away is that she kind of has to really face and be honest with herself about Mm -hmm. the parts that she likes now the parts that she would change, the parts she wished she kept, and be honest with the people in her life that maybe only know one version of her, that aren't maybe be honest with the fact that she hasn't really presented every side of herself. Hmm. I love it because I think it's very relatable. There's a struggle between like who you've become and who you used to be, which I just think that that's a very relatable feeling as you get older i mean you're gonna change but then there's parts of you that you maybe miss or wish that you could you know have more of that Mm -hmm. in your life um i also i'm a sucker for stories that are like reckoning with the past Mm -hmm. it's great plus it has a really psychological thriller element to it but in an understated way like her prose is so it's so beautifully written that I would, I would almost be. It's almost surprising that it was like characterized as a psychological thriller. Wow! Because it's so you feel that. Like I can see it once you see the whole story. You kind of understand what's going on, but you didn't feel that kind of normal push pull of a of a thriller. You mm-hmm. know, you didn't have the normal kind of chapter endings that make you turn the page type of thing. It was just you're very much in her head. You're very much. I think she does a good job, this author, of putting the mirror back on you. So I picked it for this theme because, I mean, yeah, it's a little on the nose. A photograph in your mailbox is a sign. That's a sign. That's a sign Mm -hmm. that something's going on. But it's also a good story about ignoring your gut. Yeah. um, When your gut's telling you that something's up. Um, It's a good about ignoring the signs of how to fix something because you just don't want to do it. So it's, I don't know what I was going to (laughs) say. I was going to say, I was watching. I was like, is there something else coming? (laughs) Nope. (laughs) You should read it. There it is. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) 
It's Should real not dead. Take the author We're all in this. dead. <laughs> good book. That's what we're back to. It's a good book. I like to, you know, you mentioned like she's presenting the best version of herself mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. I think that's a, a very modern concept with social media, with like everything. And mm-hmm. the, so maybe in some ways, because we are doing that, it's harder for people to see signs of if someone is struggling, if someone yeah. like we're hiding some of those kinds Absolutely. of things. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's it's easy to get wrapped up. I mean, think I think we've all had relationships where we thought, man, I just really wasn't myself. And that's what yes. was uncomfortable about it. Yeah. And it's not such a matter that maybe she shouldn't be with her husband or it's all wrong. It's maybe just why aren't you... Why aren't you more comfortable with mm-hmm. sharing all of that? And how do you get there? Yeah. So from a journey perspective, I really like it too. Do you think that's a rite of passage, especially for a lot of women, is to be in a relationship where your gut is telling you this is not going well? I think you have you to, right? That. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like I, yeah, I have very clear memories of a lot of yeah. multiple relationships like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that you wouldn't be the person that you are in your current relationships without those things. And so while we can, we like to paint the past with a, you know, black brush and say, oh, that was all bad. And I should, I ignored a bunch and I shouldn't have done it. In reality, I mean, it's really formative, even though they're terrible. (laughs) Some of them are terrible memories or things we wish hadn't happened. They're still, it's still very formative. Absolutely. Because you learn from it. Mm -hmm. It just sucks that for so long you can feel ashamed for some of the things that you've, the choices you've made and or feel embarrassed. And Mm -hmm. that's just part of life. Yes. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I think you're right. It is a rite of passage. Mm -hmm. It's important, I think. Mm -hmm. Well, then we have done that. We have passed that rite of passage, gone through the passage I'm through it. Done with the right. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> no turning back now. <laughs> well, my other genre pick, um, it is a, a little bit on the nose with the signs as mm. well. It's called Memorial Drive, a daughter's memoir. Oh. Have you read this? No, okay. it's on my list. It's by Natasha Trethaway, um, also from this year, 2020. Um, by the way, Natasha Trethaway is a Pulitzer Prize winning poet. But this is prose. Wow. And it's beautiful. Like, she writes so well. Um, So immediately, when you start this book, you learn this, that when Natasha was 19 in the year 1985, her mom's ex-husband killed her. So the book, then, is the memory of Natasha's life with her mother, her father, her biological father, the extended family, when her mom and dad divorce, and then memories of when the stepfather, the ex-husband, oh. comes into the picture and the abuse that starts. Wow. So with Natasha, as a young girl, um, the stepfather, there's real weird, strange, controlling behavior. Like he reads her diary. He cuts her down in so many ways. She is feeling this whole time, she's feeling very strong gut feelings. Like he is wrong. There's something wrong with him. Mm. Like I... Not just the diary stuff. Like, she's just getting, yeah. like, a real vibe. Yeah. Like, oh, this is not this is not a good person. Even when she starts to hear in the next room the stepfather beating her mom, she's so young, she can't do anything about it. So right. it just keeps reinforcing, like, this is so bad, but there's nothing you can do. Right. Like, she even tells a teacher, and the teacher's just like, well, sometimes adults fight. Ooh. So... There's there's the there's the memories, there's all of this, there's the exploration of what actually happened with the murder. Mm-hmm. Um, the mom actually after many years of being in a bad relationship, she finally leaves. She gets away from the ex-husband. She goes to the police too because he starts harassing her. Mm-hmm. He is, you know, f- showing up places. Um 
at one point, the uh, the book, Natasha, uh, just introduces elements from her mother's case file, mm. um, including full transcripts of harassing calls that the stepfather makes to the mother. And the mother's recording them because she's trying to help the police oh build a goodness. case against this guy. The transcripts are utterly chilling because he is routinely, regularly threatening to kill her. Oh, my gosh. And saying, you know, and threatening to kill Natasha, yeah. too. Um, there's also in the book a handwritten note from the mother trying to, in a few pages, distill down the danger that she knows she's in. Yeah. So I chose it for this theme because there's tons of signs here. There's all sorts of red flags. There's all sorts of things going. Natasha knew, like, first from her gut, but then from additional behaviors that her stepfather's bad. Um, Her mother knew that as well. There's sign after sign of, like, escalation and increasing danger. But then, you know, I mean, it's super easy to say, oh, there were signs, you know, why didn't you notice? Or mm-hmm. when you did notice, why didn't you leave right away? Or why, when you did let leave, why didn't you go to the cops? Or when you did go to the cops, you know, why, mm-hmm. why, why? Mm-hmm. It's just that sort of like constant doubting or constant trying to be like, well, you missed something here. So it's yeah. obviously your fault. Yeah. I think part of it because, you know, women, women are not believed in situations like this, but also because she's a black woman. And I think they get judged even more. For situations like mm-hmm. this. Um, I, I think the justice system doesn't really understand the fear, the desperation, the lack of escape that can be offered. And I, I think that one of the most chilling and powerful things that this book does, like I said, is sort of um, seed the floor to the mother's own voice, the, you know, the transcripts of the calls, mm-hmm. the letter, in, in a way, it shows like, you know, like he, he silenced the mother's voice but she as the daughter is bringing that voice back into the world which is really really powerful absolutely so you know deals with a lot of signs that i mean yeah they they recognize the signs they knew it was happening but then they were almost like well there's nothing we can do now until Mm -hmm. finally this just plays itself out right like i said it's, it's extremely powerful she writes beautifully so some of this horrific stuff is is poetic in a way the way she's discussing it um but yeah a a very um i think it's getting a lot of awards which it justly should yeah um really well done and uh, kind of a quick read too Mm -hmm. well it hits on a point that i think has become more common or maybe we have a name for it now but the idea that there's breakup violence yes sort of become more accepted Mm -hmm. that it isn't the the time that you that women that are being battered are in the most danger is when they decide to leave. Yes. Because that's the ultimate break of control and mm-hmm. that's not ever going to go well. And I think that our, I think there's a long way to go with our justice system and, you know, police systems to understand that just because there hasn't been some physical law that's broken, mm-hmm. that, that there is a very real danger. Here. Yes. Absolutely. And again, this was in the early mid eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there could be a case for, yes, things have changed a little bit, but yeah, yeah. it's uh, still devastating. Yeah, it right. is. Absolutely. Yeah. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Well, it kind of relates to yeah. the one that I picked this week um, for this, for signs, called The Sociopath Next Door. Oh, God. By Martha Stout. <laughs> so this is published in 2006. Okay. She is an author. She has a PhD in psychology. Oh, um, she's a Harvard psychologist. And so this book... If you just think for a minute of people that you've encountered and thought 
wow, that person's difficult, or I get a bad feeling about that person, or that person does not seem to care at all. In other words, someone you might like use the word like they're the devil. Yeah. That's, you know, whoever it is, an ex, boss, colleague, whatever. So this book dives into the idea that we live with sociopaths every single day. And through TV, movies, society, we're sort of convinced to believe that sociopaths are violent criminals that that's that's how you know it's a sociopath so that person couldn't possibly because they don't have a bunch of people murdered in their basement but she contends that four percent of ordinary people meaning one in 25 has an often undetected mental disorder and the chief symptom is that that person possesses no conscience, which is what makes that person a sociopath meaning he or she has no ability to feel shame guilt or remorse Right. So on that premise, she maintains that one in 25 everyday Americans is secretly a sociopath. So if you take that premise for what it is, that means that we've certainly all encountered sociopaths. And there's one on our street. Yeah. Yeah. And they can literally do anything at all and feel absolutely no guilt. So this book deals a lot with the signs that we can use to sort of figure out and not out these people. You're not going to, you know, put a sign in your neighbor's yard that they're sociopath. sociopath. Yeah, but it's more about recognizing some of the things that we maybe dismiss as red flags or that's a little weird and paying more attention to it and how you make sure that you don't allow that person to have too much control of certain parts of your life, whether that be a colleague, a boss, an ex, whatever it is. Um, now, I want to say... I think that this book is a great starter. It's a really interesting premise. It's a great way to get your foot wet kind of into this topic. But I want to be clear that this is not like the end all be all of this Mm -hmm. topic. It's not like a how to guide of how to get a sociopath out of your life or how to recognize (laughs) one. I don't think that you should be taking this as a manual and like checking it off with everybody that you know. Um, But I do think it really simplifies it and helps you understand that sociopaths are different because they can't love. They learn early on how to fake emotion or how to have fake feelings um, that they know that they're supposed to feel, but underneath they know that they don't Mm -hmm. so that they can kind of get what they need out of situations. So the book just sort of helps point out some of those behaviors. It reminded me of some ways in the she said nobody's victim. Like Mm -hmm. these people tend to be very charismatic. They tend to be very attractive and energetic and people are drawn to them and they're willing to excuse certain behaviors because they seem great like people want to be in their orbit you know i'm reminded of um ted bundy yeah a lot when i was thinking about this that you know if you just met him people were thought he was kind of great you know people that didn't know he was a killer obviously but yeah so I love that it for that idea, but I wanted to be clear that it's not like this isn't like a doctoral thesis on the whole topic. Yeah. Like you're not going to get everything that you need to know. I just think it's really accessible. And it's just an g- interesting way to ingest some of these principles, and it's a quick read. Mm-hmm. I picked it, obviously, for this theme because it focuses on signs that we all brush off, that we're yeah. willing to excuse. And it kind of goes to what we talked about at the beginning, that for certain people, we're willing to excuse certain behavior, and for other people, we're not. Yep. And kind of how to look at some of those things and you know judge. Now, again, we all have the potential to do bad things, and that doesn't make you a sociopath. So there, And she, I feel like she draws that very clearly. Like mm-hmm. there's, you know, there's a very definite line here. So you but, checked yourself against the checklist? Well, that's what I was going to say. As a, <laughs> as a bonus, if you are like me and you enjoy a good guffaw, yeah. 
you should read the book and then you should go look at reviews of the book. And I mean people that post reviews on Amazon and Goodreads that start with, first of all, I am not a sociopath. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) And then they just tear apart the book because they're sure that they didn't cover it. And to be clear, I'm not doing this because I am a sociopath. I'm just saying. Oh my God, you're protesting too much. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's some good reading just for that. Now I'm picturing those people like reading the book and be like, wait, this sounds like me. Nope, not me. I'm going to go to Amazon and tell everyone it's not me. Yeah, and that's what some of them do in there is like, well, I don't do this and this, so I'm not a sociopath. (laughs) I'm like, oh man, I don't think a sociopath can judge for themselves. No. Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So A, you kind of missed the point of the book. And B, maybe get a therapist. Yeah, no kidding. Sounds like you're working through some stuff. On Amazon.com, you're working through it. That's not a good place. And the review spot, that's no, not helpful. That's and, not. No. That's and, where every crank goes. You know, yes. you don't want to be there. And you're pulling down the stars of an oh, author. no. Just because you're sure you're not a sociopath. <laughs> Which sounds sociopathic to me. Right? Yes. It is. Yeah. You know, the thinking about like, People that are very charismatic that, uh, you know, it feels like a lot of CEOs, a lot of leaders can mm-hmm. potentially be sociopathic. Mm-hmm. Does, she, does she talk about that at all? Yes. Or like, yeah, okay, she yeah. does. I mean, not in the great detail, yeah. not in the detail that I think I I am looking for or would like. Um, I've read another book it reminds me of um, by Dr. Hare, H-R-E, mm-hmm. H-A-R-E, um, called Without Conscience. Oh. And this that's a little bit longer. And I feel like he gets into a little bit more of maybe the specifics and mm-hmm. a little bit more mm-hmm. of the clinical side of it. Gotcha. Um, than this book does. So both are great. But yeah. if you're just kind of wanting to, you know, kind of generally understand this idea i think this is a good place to start but yeah i mean they certainly usually hold positions of power Mm -hmm. because i was gonna say red red flags then are like very charismatic people that can easily like i bet most politicians are sociopaths yes yeah that's a sobering thought (laughs) yikes i mean we've known that for a while right but yeah but again I recommend you read it. Please yeah. don't go around. No, don't do that. Labeling people sociopaths. Or don't in your knock life. on the door and ask people to complete the checklist. No. Don't do it. Don't do that. But if you do, maybe report back and tell us yeah. if you have a sociopath on your street. Or write a review on Amazon <laughs> because I will peruse that <laughs> to my own enjoyment. Because <laughs> they're great. I bet they are. By the way, that reminds me of um, Heath saying that there's a site with one star Yelp reviews. Did you find it? Because I haven't, oh, I haven't looked it up yet. Is it's it everything you wanted it to okay. be and more. I yeah. mean, some of the, like the one for the Grand Canyon is <laughs> more like the Lame Canyon. What? <laughs> what? what are you talking about? Like, what did you expect? <laughs> what? Oh, mm-hmm. God. That just to, makes- uh, there was one of these famous arches, and the, the review was like, too many people were taking their photographs in front of the arch. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's clearly the park's problem. Oh, honey, yeah, that's just what people do. Yeah. What do you, and it's you great. probably did, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds right up our alley. It is. It's yeah. great. Yeah. Okay. It's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, thinking about signs, I think... Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think I've mentioned that I have watched the uh, Leah Remini yes. like Scientology aftermath thing, mm-hmm. and I think one thing I keep getting from those episodes is like 
so many people are saying like, well, why didn't you see the signs? Mm-hmm. Why didn't you like mm-hmm. understand that this was a red flag? I think it can really apply to a lot of cult situations where Absolutely. you just increasingly get pulled in. Yes. And that is one of my pop culture picks. I chose a podcast that uh, is uh, going on right now. Mm. It's called Unfinished Short Creek. And this is season two of the show, Unfinished. Season one had a different topic, and I'll actually be recommending that in a different episode because it's really good as well. But season two is Short Creek. And Short Creek is a community on the Utah-Arizona border. Okay. And it's made up of current and former members of the fundamentalist Mormon sect who practice polygamy and follow a prophet who was and is Warren Jeffs. Uh, I knew you were going to say that. Oh, Gosh, I do not like that man. <laughs> nope. So you've probably heard his name. Mm-hmm. Aaron's heard his name, mm-hmm. had a very visceral reaction to it. Mm-hmm. He's in prison for sex crimes, mm-hmm. including raping underage girls in front of another congregation in Texas, mm-hmm. having like a whole altar to him and like a mattress there. Yep. Like it's real, real gross. Mm-hmm. So the two hosts of this podcast are Ash Sanders and Sarah Ventry. They have spent four and a half years on this story, including one of them even lived in Short Creek for a while. And they did this to try and open up this very sort of closed off community to to gain trust among locals to tell their story. Mm -hmm. So the podcast does so many things. It sort of talks about the history of the town, how this town of Short Creek formed and sort of viewed themselves as a... Uh, almost a utopia, a, an egalitarian community where mm-hmm. everyone shares food, everyone shares labor and houses and land. But over time, the, sh- the sect, it shifted until Warren Jeffs turned it into a full-on cult. Mm-hmm. So we hear from one woman right away who was married off to her cousin at age 14, forced by Warren Jeffs in a real creepy, like, gross hotel in the middle of nowhere. Bar. We hear from people who left the sect as things got stranger and more dangerous. Those people that kind of heeded the signs and knew like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. I can't keep doing this. Some of those signs were Warren was pulling their kids out of school, was breaking up and reassigning families, like yeah. saying, you know, you're no longer the father of this family. This guy is the father. Mm-hmm. As a punishment, usually, yes. if the males didn't do something that exactly. he wanted, they mm-hmm. would lose their families. Yeah. Forcing the families, too, to give all their money to build this other congregation in Texas. Mm-hmm. And... So we hear from those kind of people that saw the signs, but we also hear from people who still believe in the prophet, who oh. still say, nope, Warren Jeffs, all that stuff, that was the media. They made all that up. Warren Jeffs is still my prophet. Yikes. Yeah. One of the interesting things, I think, is the hosts themselves. One was a former mainstream Mormon, so she okay. identifies with a lot of what was taught to these people. Okay. Um, one is a Jewish woman who is bringing her history of family killed due to a one-man cult yeah. in Germany. Um, and the show really explores what it means when this town that was kind of formed as a theocracy is now, like, that's removed. And now it's like, oh, we're an actual town now. Now we have to be a democracy and how does this work so it's kind of looking at like how the removal of Warren Jeffs has affected the community as well mm-hmm. so I chose it for this theme because I think you know obviously there were many signs of a cult developing there was a lot of strange beliefs we would consider strange from this sure. sect anyway yeah but 
it, it kind of shows how, you know, one strange belief can potentially lead to another and another. And just mm-hmm. over time, you, you're you not noticing red flags anymore. You're just accepting even real weird and even real dangerous ideas as, well, this is this is who we are. This is our this is our faith. Well, it's kind of reminds me of what we talked about with organized religion, that when you put so much faith in something mm-hmm. that you have to do everything you can to protect it because otherwise look at everything you've given up or sacrificed for exactly. it. We have to protect this belief because otherwise what have I done? And I think that's when I was listening to those people that are still saying like, yep, Warren Jeffs is still my prophet. I feel like that's them. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're like, I've sacrificed so much. I can't give up now. Like mm-hmm. then what would this have all been for? for you Mm -hmm. know and some of the families that did leave they definitely feel that way they feel like well you know I believed for so hard and so long and I taught my kids to believe and now my kids think I'm a liar and Mm -hmm. you know yeah that's really tough but I'd rather get out now and see the truth and teach the truth versus just keep believing absolutely um I think uh you know, in situations like this, I think you're, when you're used to believing in a leader this way, like this sect was formed around a one-man prophet, mm-hmm. you're you're ascribing so many things to that man. You're you're worried about your eternal fate. Like it's kind of in that person's hands. You can easily ignore signs. Like mm-hmm. I could see how that could happen very easily. Um, you know, I, I will say that I kind of struggled a bit because when they talked to some of the people that used to live in Short Creek before it became what it is. Mm-hmm. They talked about how idyllic the community was and, oh, growing up here was so great. And I'm like, well, these are all the men talking because the women are put in a very specific position mm-hmm. in this sect, even in the good days. Mm-hmm. And so it is interesting to to hear some of the the men talking versus the women talking, mm-hmm. you know, and, and how that has uh, changed over time and who saw red flags and who didn't. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I... I really am enjoying this. It's it's done really well. Uh, the interviews are fantastic. The fact that they get so many people to talk to them, even people that disagree with mm-hmm. you know what they're they're about. Um, it yeah, it's a fascinating look at a very closed off community that there's a lot of red flags, a lot yeah. of signs. Yeah, I'm gonna have to listen to that. Yeah, but you know, Warren Jeffs, he's there. Yeah, I'm not a fan. And man, oh man, you hear his voice and. I forgot how creepy his voice is and how very soft it is. Yes. And at one point they had or they had recordings of his actual voice. Sometimes they had an actor like reading his journal and the actor did a really good job at emulating it. And each time I'm just like, oh, oh I, just, I just feel the no, voice creeping over my back. No. He's just a creepy looking dude. Too. Ugh. <laughs> Yeah. Well, um, so for pop culture this week, I picked a docu-series on Netflix. There's only one season so far. It's called Indian Matchmaking. <laughs> so this docu-series follows... I'm laughing because I remember you talking about this. Okay, uh, yeah. An Indian matchmaker okay. named Seema Auntie, mm-hmm. um, as which is what they refer to her on the show. And it focuses on the idea that um, she's matchmaking... For people, you mm-hmm. know, she brings people together. And there's this idea that some people believe in India that there's marriage and then there's love marriage. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you're in a love marriage, it means that you fell in love and decided to get married on your own accord. If you're in a marriage, it was arranged. <laughs> That's so a lot of the she's dealing with these 20 and 30 year olds that some live in the U.S., some live in India in the show um, that are trying to find their mate. And so she is this renowned. She's supposed to be the lady to make this happen. She lives in Mumbai. So I picked it because it's like super horrifying and interesting Mm -hmm. at the same time. Um, I think, you know, arranged marriage 
is a tough topic to grasp for a lot of people. Like, how could you just meet this person? You know, especially in the culture that we live in. But it's a fascinating look at sort of this, I don't want to call it a modern take because it's not really, there's very specific gender roles in that in it. But it's a little bit different in that you're talking about people they're not meeting at the altar and getting married in the show. They're mm-hmm. she's arranging dates and they're meeting each other. Now, are the dates weird sometimes? Yeah. Sometimes first dates are their families meeting. Because that's a big part of it. But let's be honest, all first dates are weird. So right. even if there's yeah. family or not. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. So a lot of critics of the show say it belittles women, it's cringeworthy, like the women are told they have to be flexible and change. The men are allowed to like scroll through multiple multiple matches. All true. Really? That is all true. Yeah. But I don't know that I want to critique that as something that the show did. Mm -hmm. I think that's just a look at... And maybe maybe people feel that this isn't a good representation, uh, but that's not what I read in the critiques. It wasn't Mm -hmm. that it isn't necessarily good representation. It was people being outraged for the women. Well, yeah, yeah, we can all get there. It's a different system. But it's an interesting look at some of the beliefs that go into that, some of the families... Some of the interviews I thought were fascinating with the women and the men about things that they believe because they were brought up that way or things that they um, are ashamed of. You know, there was a lady on there that was looking for a partner, but she's been divorced and it wasn't her choice, but... Somehow she's ashamed of it. Yeah, uh, it's it's a struggle for her because they she feels like, you know, she's not going to be as interesting to someone. So it is a very interesting look at something that I don't have any experience with. Mm -mm. And it's entertaining. So I enjoyed that. Um, Like I said, again, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, gender stereotypes and issues. But I think it's a very specific example of signs, in this case, playing a very different role. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, there's signs that you're supposed to be with this person and the stars are aligning and the families match and this is who you're supposed to be with. So I wanted to pick it because it's sort of the opposite of what we've been talking about. Like, no, that isn't a sign. Yeah. Like, stop it. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So. Making the signs fit what you want to right. believe. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know what? I think we do that in our culture, too. We I think, do. you know, yeah. as much as we may differentiate mm-hmm. or they differentiate love marriage versus marriage, I think a lot of people here are choosing relationships not just on a concept of love. I, I think that, you know, I think there's all sorts of things that we tell ourselves mm-hmm. that this is going to be good this is who i'm yeah. we even tell ourselves are in love we're in love and we may not right be, you know yeah, i mean i yeah, so absolutely or or we go through marriages and do things because we think that's what we're supposed to do mm-hmm. which is sort of essentially the same idea yeah and a lot of the participants say this isn't that weird it's like getting on match.com yeah you're looking at exactly. just she's doing the physical work instead of the computer or whatever yeah you know so from that angle, you know, I have to kind of agree. It mm-hmm. isn't that, you know, they're, again, not meeting at the altar. Now, are there times that you think this person does not want to be married? Like, that's why they can't. Oh. Like, this is a, you know, a family push oh, type situation. Boy. Yes, you're going to see some of that. But I mean, that happens in our culture, yeah, too. It does. Yeah. It does. So it's interesting. Um, I enjoyed it. Wow. So, yeah. It makes me think, um, you remember... Uh, the book Modern Romance by Aziz Ansari yes. when he's talking about, you know, these days we have so much choice. And and he talked about like love marriage versus arranged marriage too. But um, these days we have so much choice where, you know, even in the U.S., like maybe in the 30s and 40s, you, you met somebody down the street and you're like, yep, 
that's my partner, you know? Yeah. So it's just like, mm-hmm. you can convince yourself of a lot of things. You can mm-hmm. take your sign, like you take whatever's available, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah we do that a lot. I uh-huh. mean, that's really the signs and the role that gut instinct plays in our whole lives, right? Mm-hmm. Is sort of convincing us one way or the other. Like this feels bad, it's bad. Yeah. Or, oh, this feels right, so. Or this feels... I'm feeling lazy and I need some Reese's Pieces. Yes. Yeah. Or this feels like, you know what? He's sitting on a pillow. I'm out. (laughs) I'm out. Did I tell you, one of my red flags when I was, uh, you know, just going on a bunch of first dates when I was still in Chicago, some guy, I think on the second date, told me that he'd been waiting for me his entire life. On the second date? I freaked the F out. Like, I kind of kept my cool, but then as soon as I left, I was like, there is no way I'm seeing that dude again. That is not, that's not right. That feels very, like, in some ways, you're supposed to want that, right? You're supposed to want someone who just falls for you desperately and, oh, everything's great. But everything in my body just curled up and was like, oh, God, no, 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 no. Well, it's at that point, it's contrived, right? It's a performance. You don't know me well enough to know if you've been waiting for me my whole life. And it came with like a bouquet of flowers. So it felt very like you're following like a script or something. Like this is real weird. Yeah, because if you've been waiting for me my whole life, I know Amy, you wouldn't have brought flowers. (laughs) Exactly. You would have brought Reese's Pieces. Exactly. Come on now. (laughs) Listen better. If you don't know that, I don't know what you're talking about. You don't court me with flowers. No. You court me with candy. Yes. Give me and some candy. Vegan ice cream sandwiches. And vegan. <laughs> <laughs> Although at the time I wasn't vegan, so I was less discerning when oh. it came to ice cream. I would take any ice cream sandwiches. Sandwich. Well, that's fair. I yeah. would. I'd yeah. take any ice cream sandwich. Mm-hmm. 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 Delightful. <laughs> well, talked about a lot of signs. We did. A lot did. of red flags. I think this might be a sign that our episode's over. Oh, I think it might. I hate it when it's over, but I, I you know. Too. But we have to get it out to the masses, <laughs> and that's the only way to do it. <laughs> we have to end it so we can get it out to yeah. the people that are waiting mm-hmm. on and us. And then we can start all over again. Oh, God, I love when we start all over again. Yeah. The beginning's the best part. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the meantime, this week. Happy reading. up again same night another dream before trying this recording thing i didn't remember much of anything of these dreams i didn't remember much from any of the women and one night of doing this and it's broken things open the dreams are they're in me and they're they're coming out of me and to me i am not broken i am the most whole most real their despair. I cause their despair. I wait for the word. I wait for the word. Witch. 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 Look at the mad woman in her cage. She was a woman with holes inside her. That was the heaviest factor. The final evidence. The heart of the issue. Somehow, you understand this. You. You. You hear me. Wherever you are, whatever this is, you... This isn't a dream journal anymore. It's not. That's just, it's just fact. (laughs) Because now this is, this is some sort of record. What are these dreams?
Maybe there's a better question. Who are these women? Weird Woman is a Broads and Books production. All nine episodes are available January 10th. Listen and subscribe to Weird Woman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcast platform. That's W-Y-R-D Woman, wherever you listen to podcasts.